the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. It's a delight to bring back my friend Tevi Choi, himself presidential historian, author of Fight House, Rivalries in the White House from Truman to Trump, which the Wall Street Journal called one of the best books of 2020, best book of the year. Tevi Choi, congratulations on getting that. Um, that, that, that was that's quite, quite, quite impressive and deserved. Yeah. yeah, thank you. And I just want to give credit to you, Seth, and thank you to you, Seth, because you, I promised and you promised me that this would be the first interview that I did on Fight House, and it was, and Fight House has had a great run, and it's not over yet, but the, the Wall Street Journal thing was definitely a nice feather on the cap, but I really appreciate all the people, such as yourself, who helped it along the way. Well, then let me do what my producer tries to do with me on certain things and get in early on your next book. I want to be your first interview of your next book as well. Done. You've got it. Great. Thank you. You had a column in the Washington Examiner <clears throat> over the weekend. And uh, well, I guess it was actually the end of last week and o- went through over the weekend. It was mentioned quite strongly, quite liberally at the Powerline blog. Um, I gave a monologue dedicated to it, Tevi. Um, but it's um, it's the conservatives we lost in 2020. And if there's you know, aside from the honoring of great minds that we do here, um, there's also something very important about the thesis of it, too, which is, you know, given the state of debate in and among conservatives, it's really important to take a step back and um, think about what we what we have learned from these great leaders to go in order to go forward it's it's kind of a january thing i've always remember i'm always reminded that the month of january is named after janus who looked forward and backwards right oh i like that That's yeah. very nice yeah uh it's got great artwork to your piece too i like that although no picture yeah. of charlie daniels yeah all credit has to go to the Washington Examiner on the artwork. They did a great piece of artwork. Really tell it, tell us about what we lost in 2020. Well, at the end of the year I What we lost via who we lost is the way I would put right. it. Okay. So at the end of the year I like to look back and, and reflect and in December I saw that there were three prominent conservatives who passed and it was Walter Williams, Eddie Lazier and Bruce Hershenson who actually died on November 30th but right right on the cusp of December. And I said, wow, if the last month of the year brings all these terrible losses. I, w- I wonder what the whole year lost, especially given uh, COVID and uh, yeah. death rates this year. And I looked back and I remembered, and uh, and I, I often tweet about uh, people we lost with the hashtag RIP. So I kind of looked through my tweets to see who we lost. And then I talked to you, Seth, about people I might have missed, and you came up with some great ones. And we argued really about them. Year. We'll tell the audience. We had a we'll, few we'll arguments. We'll get to it. We'll get to okay, it. But, okay, okay. But okay. it was a sad year in terms of yeah. some of the people who lost who were real conservative heroes. And I know we talk about the divisions in the movement and the sure. splits in the movement as conservatism of the future. But I think looking to the past real, makes us realize that here were people who helped build a movement, articulated arguments, 
maybe often moved away from liberalism because they realized the problems and the excesses and the emptiness of liberalism. And they said, let's go forward with something new and something different. And I, I really I want to appreciate, that's why I wrote the column, to appreciate all that they did, but also tell conservatives that, hey, let's not focus on all the things that divide us, but let's focus on some of the things that unite us and what we can do going forward. And by the way, when you look at this group, and we'll we'll do a running list of their names in a second and then get back into it. Well, what, 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 well, let's do that. Let, that. That'll that help what I want to say. Do you want to just run their names real quickly and then we'll come back to them? Do you want to, Do you have the ability? Yeah, sure. To, okay. I mean, I've got the list in front of me. Thanks to our friend Paul Maringoff yeah. at, at Powerline. He isolated them nicely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Gertrude Himmelfarb, who died at the very end of 2019. Right. Owen Harries, editor at the National Interest. Sir Roger Scruton, a British philosopher. Uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, whom I had the pleasure of meeting a number of times. Two senators, Roger Jepson and Dr. Tom Coburn, a medical doctor, I will say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Herman Cain, many of you know, know as a presidential candidate, but really became famous challenging Bill Clinton and his health care plan in the, in the 1990s in a very impressive TV performance. Uh, Barry Farber, who spoke 20 languages and was a radio host in New York, but uh, I say in the piece that he spoke a 21st language, which was the language of the, the street, the language of the kind of uh, undistilled Reagan Democrat, people who were frustrated, urban ethnics who were frustrated with the excess. Same person who William Buckley was trying to get to vote for him in 1965, right? Yes, exactly. Well, I, I, I'm breaking in. I shouldn't. I want to do all this with okay. you. Uh, well, let, let me just quickly yeah, yeah, say yeah, it all yeah, before yeah, I want to hit yeah, break. Yeah. But uh, Charlie Daniels, who yeah. uh, was a uh, country singer who uh, sang about the common man, uh, Walter Williams, a libertarian economist, Abigail Thernstrom, uh, who uh, grew up uh, quasi-Marxist and um, and migrated to the right because she saw some of the problems with the uh, liberal racial policies. Uh, Bruce Hershenson, whom I, I believe you knew Seth a little bit, yep. uh, ran for Senate in California against Barbara Boxer. I'm still mad that he lost that race, yep. uh, but was also a, a um, White House aide uh, and just an all-around great guy. And then Ed Lazier, who was a White House colleague of mine, an economist who wrote great pieces in the Wall Street Journal and was one of the top labor economists of our generation. You said something. It didn't dawn on me to say it till now. I don't mean it by bragging, but just if it provides any color. I knew some of them. Um, I knew Gertrude Himmelfarb. Last time I saw her, I had lunch with her at the Watergate Hotel. Um, Tom Coburn, I last time I saw him, I had dinner with him at Morton's. Um Herman Cain I knew very well because we did a lot of work out of the Bennett Radio Studio together. Uh, and uh, I, I knew Abby Thernstrom. I booked. I did a few conferences with her and uh, Hershenson. Yeah, yeah. I knew. I knew. So several. I, I, I had met nine of the thirteen. I okay. Knew any of there you very go. Well. So, there you uh, go. Thernstrom, I probably knew the best. Yeah. Well, yes, sure, sure. She she was she was very prominent around and her son was part of our world as well. And her right. husband, and I know him and I sent him the column, which he really appreciated. Good, good. And good. then I did some work with Dr. Tom, Tom Cobert, the senator. So, yeah, of course. Oh, and Eddie Lazier. Eddie Lazier is clearly the one I knew best because I was a White House colleague. Of his. OK. But yeah, it's, it's sad. They all contributed to the conservative movement. They all tried to make America. A and they're place. very different. Uh, some of yeah. them more different than others. But the distance, I guess this is the point I wanted to make. You put them all in a room. You're going to have a fi- the finest collection of minds that you could putting together any ten or twelve people. How many? How many's on your list? Thirteen. Thirteen people. Baker's dozen, and yet there is a difference in certain philosophies. I wouldn't imagine, for example, that Gertrude Himmelfarb and Walter Williams are in any way, shape, or form in the same com- community of conservatism. 
but they would agree on an awful lot when it comes to what he did, what his work was on family, importance of family structure, and her work on that importance of family structure as well. But they were very different philosophically. Yeah, let me put it this way. Walter Williams was a libertarian, Mm -hmm. and Gertrude Hemmelfarb was more of a traditional conservative who um, extolled the the values and and the virtues of of Victorian England. Right. Uh, But both of them would have voted for Ronald Reagan. Right. And I bet they both did. I bet they both did. Um, and then, of course, you would. Uh, the, the, the interesting thing is, yeah. Do you want to talk about our little dispute over this or not? Do you want to? Uh, I'm, I'm happy to. Uh, Seth recommended, uh, I believe, three people for the list: uh, Barry Farber, Charlie Daniels, and Herman Cain. Uh, they did not immediately uh, appear on my list, uh, but Seth made very cogent arguments for them, and, and he said that my uh, my list may have been a little uh, too. Um, <laughs> erudite and hyper-intellectual. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you wanted to have uh, more Vox Populi. Yeah, I needed, I needed a common touch here. I needed, I needed what Charlie Daniels and... Um, I needed what Charlie Daniels and Barry Farber represented. And frankly, in a way, that's what got me to my thing about Buckley in 1965. So Barry Farber ran for mayor, right? Yeah, he ran uh, for... Mayor and for Congress. And Congress. And he ran uh, as an exceedingly intellectual man. I mean, he is an intellectual man. He's a smart man. As you said, he spoke 20 languages and uh, a good communicator. Um, but he was appealing. He was appealing to the disaffected, uh, the disaffected voter. How do you describe that voter, Tebby? You do it better than I do. What's your description? Uh, the disaffected urban ethnic, there. The people who saw the excesses of liberalism. There you go. And 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 that's really what William Buckley's 1965 run was. And no one is going to question the intellectual uh, gifts and abilities, bona fides, bona fides, bona fides. How do you say it? Bona fides, bona fides of William Buckley, but to be fair, William one of the most famous things William Buckley ever said was he'd rather be governed by the first whatever number of names in the two Boston thousand names, two thousand names in the Boston phone book, yeah, than the Harvard faculty, right? And so that's why it's important. And by the way, I think Donald Trump spoke to a lot of that. I got I got to take a break here. Um, can we come back on some of this when we come Absolutely. back? You got some time for us. Sure. Love keeping you around. You can read Tevi's piece, Conservatives We Lost in 2020, at the Washington Examiner. You can link to it via – you can get to it via Powerline and read uh, Paul Ehrengoff's write-up of it. It's a great thing. And you can get Tevi's book in Amazon. His book is Fight House, Rivalries in the White House from Truman to Trump. We'll be right back. Happy to take your calls too, 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I am Seth. My guest is Tevi Troy. Happy to take your call, 602-508-0960. Tevi, Dr. Troy, <laughs> is the um, is the author of Fight House, Rivalries in the White House from Truman to Trump. Wall Street Journal called it one of their books of the year. And author of this great piece, Conservatives We Lost in 2020. Lacrimal, but great on a going forward basis, what we can learn from those who's um, – who we relied on in the past. And, Tevi, one of the things that you mentioned in your piece that we talked about, I don't want to make too big a deal of it, but there are certain moments where the conservative movement, I should say, kind of goes through 
uh, internecine struggles for definition, what constitutes a conservative or conservatism. Uh, we may be there now, um, and we may have been there for a while, frankly, and not really seen the uh, seen the contours of it as much as we do now. But it's not our first time, is it? It's not no, new. No, of course not. No. Look, um, conservatism is an idea-based movement. If you're going to have an idea-based movement, you're going to have people who disagree about the ideas and are going to fight for what the right ideas are. The Democrats traditionally have been a coalition-based party. If you belong to a certain racial or ethnic group, or if you're a member of a union, that's how you decide to join the Democrats. Whereas conservatives have said, okay, we believe in a certain idea. It doesn't matter what your skin color is or what ethnicity you're from. If you believe in these ideas, come join us. And those ideas do change and shift over time. There, there have been some cores over time, right? A, a belief in um, in lower taxation, in less government, uh, in a robust defense. Uh, these have been some of the cores of the conservative movement. But there have also been shifts and changes over time. Yeah, I think um, one of the the key principles of conservatism throughout has just been a belief in America and that America is a good that gives to the world and makes the world a better place by virtue of its existence. And if you don't believe that, then you're probably not a conservative and um, the, you know, the people on this list aren't going to appeal to you. But if you kind of have a sense of gratitude for America, for Western civilization and what those things have wrought and brought to the world, then conservatism is a, is a happy home for you. A lot of people, um, including on this list of those we lost in 2020, a lot of them didn't start out as conservatives, but one might say were moved into conservatism based on what you just said about America. Um, several of them over the turmoil in 1968, the anti-American turmoil that began in earnest on the college campuses in 68 and moved forward. Couldn't one say that it was the assault on America itself as an idea and a place uh, not a place, a people, an idea, and a people that moved a lot of these people who were low, who were who were previously on the left into the conservative fold. Oh yeah, I mean, America was the was the touchstone for them, right? But uh, Gertrude Himmelfarb uh, came from a Mar Marxist background, yep. as did uh, Abby Thurnstrom and Walter Williams. Said he was on the left until he kind of had a, an awakening moment. Uh, Roger Scruton said that those very 1968 student protests were what, what turned him around. So, yeah, I think it's a common theme among these people to see the problems on the left and kind of – if you denigrate America too much, people are going to say, okay, you know, you don't like America. What uh, what do you like? And, um, and and the countries that people like instead of America, are, you know, I don't think, hold up well. So I think that these people all had a basic love of America and a recognition that America was a good place founded on good – ideals and continues to do good for the world. Thank God in a way for the campus that made their careers and made them move. I mean, I hate what the campus, college campus stood for in 68 and what it stands for now, even worse, I think. But thank God for moving some of these gifted intellectuals to our side, uh, a side I joined, not a side you had to join, but a side I joined, right? Um, well, I mean, yes, you did. You you more, made more of a migration from left to right than I. But I grew up in a union Democrat household. I mean, you, you got to start somewhere, right? And uh, so I, th I think that um, it makes me curious to see what kinds of conservatives 
will emerge from the campus today. And as woke as it is, and as leftist as it is, and as anti-American as it is, there will be conservatives who look at what they see around them on the college campus and don't like it and emerge further to the right. So I'm curious to see what those... I am, too. I have a theory, and it'll take time to bear out, if true or false. Um, My theory is it will be around the issue of civil liberties, particularly free speech. So you're familiar with the movie uh, that Adam uh, Carolla and Dennis Prager did, No Safe Spaces. When I saw that and I saw some of these professors who were lefties um, that dared to cross a line you're not allowed to cross in in the kingdom of the left um, get uh, effectively tortured and thrown out of their campuses in, in, in some respects being forced to leave because no other choice. I thought maybe, you know, of this group and not in necessarily just in that movie, but in, in this group of academics throughout the country who are finding uh, free speech and intellectual um, intellectual freedom at such discount. I thought maybe we, we might see a move to conservatism from there. Usually, it, you know, it starts with one issue. You put your toe in the water and then you realize the water is ever more comfortable. Yeah, I, I've been looking into this issue um uh, of the campus radicalism and what to do to counter it. And I would say that in the 90s, when there was a successful pushback against political correctness on campus, yep. free speech was still a value right. on the left. Right. Right. And it's not clear to me that free speech is a value on the left anymore. Right. And we would all be better off if free speech were once again a value on the left and a universal value across all, all America. So I think we need to get back to that place where people recognize and appreciate free speech. I think that you might have this phenomenon of people on campus who don't necessarily adhere to the principle or appreciate the principle of of free speech, but when it comes to their own lives and they feel like they must bow to a certain orthodoxy, uh, human nature rebels against that. And I think that's where you're going to see it from. I don't think people will necessarily be making intellectual arguments for free speech so much as rebelling against the prevailing orthodoxy that is stifling them. I started two conservative clubs, one in college and one in law school, and they needed a faculty sponsor. The one in college was a leftist who was a member of the local ACLU, maybe the president of the local ACLU. The one in college was a traditional – in law school was a traditional Democrat. These were conservative organizations I founded. They were my faculty sponsors. Um – I would imagine if a leftist tried to form a left-wing organization at George Mason, which is a traditionally conservative campus, and they went to Walter Williams, he would have said okay as a sponsor, uh, the, the commitment to free speech. That kind of yes, I could not get today in law school or undergrad, but I think you could still get from conservative faculty, however many there are in this country, maybe 10. I bet they'd still support leftist groups. I bet they would as a sponsor, as a right to exist. As a, as a, can you ponder – let me pick up on that. That was unfair to throw at you as we go into a break. Did, if Fair it made enough. sense. We'll Did it make sense? Yeah. I hope so. Okay. We'll be right back with Dr. Tevi Troy. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. If you are um, interested in selling your house, if you're trying to sell your house and it's not going well, I want you to reach out to my friend James Wexler of JMG 
real estate who will guarantee to sell your home at market value or pay you the difference. He can also make you an upfront guaranteed offer within 24 hours of you reaching him. The Phoenix Business Journal ranks James the number one selling individual agent in Arizona. Give James a call at 480-386-0711 or visit him online at jameswexler.com. That's jameswexler, W-E-X-L-E-R.com. We're talking to Tevi Troy, author of Fight House, Rivalries in the White House from Truman to Trump. I notice on all your books on Amazon, Tevi, um, you do not say Dr. Tevi Troy. It's just Tevi Troy. Look, I... I did earn a Ph.D., as you know, because we were in Texas together when I was working on it. I don't insist that people call me doctor. I just uh, <laughs> uh, you know, call me different from Dr. Jill Biden, who does appear to insist on it. If someone wants to grant me the title, I, I won't reject it. Uh, my, my general approach to things is not to be rude. If someone says, calls me mister, I'm not going to correct them and say doctor. But if they call me doctor, I'm not going to say, oh, please call me But Tevi you chose Tevi. not to be listed as Dr. Tevi Troy or Tevi Troy Ph.D. on your books. You could have. You could have. I could have. I think and, it's and noble. Been, no, I think it's uh, noble. I think it's noble. Right. Yeah. There there have been instances where I was referred to as Tevi Troy, uh, Dr. Tevi Troy. Okay. It's it, it can, not something I make a big deal about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to make a big deal of it because you worked hard okay. for it. I, before the You're break, right. I asked you, you know, the campus when I was there, law school, undergrad, I founded two, uh, excuse me, two conservative organizations at liberal campuses. Liberal professors agreed to um, be the faculty sponsors. I don't think you could do that today. I, I, I think the campuses have changed. I think the faculty has changed. Um, anyway, I, I was curious about your thought. You spent a lot of time on thinking about the campuses and having been on many. So I think it's, a, it's a, an interesting question of whether that liberal professor you're talking about, again, a theoretical liberal professor, yeah. who will not support the conservative organization on campus by me, what I mean by that is be the sponsor of a right. organization. By, me, by, he, by being a sponsor, all we're saying is you have a right to exist. That's what they're doing. That's all yeah, they're I mean, saying. It, yeah, it's, right. it's really not much to get it, off it, his nose other than he signs this piece right, of paper. Exactly, so exactly. It's not like he's devoting 40 hours of his time. Any at all. That probably him. never even shows right. up. Right. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is this theoretical professor not doing it today? And I think we would agree that they wouldn't do it today because they are much more hostile to conservatism than the liberal professor of a previous generation, or because they're afraid. Mm -hmm. And when I say afraid, they're afraid that if their name shows up as the sponsor of a conservative organization, they won't be able to get hired at a different university or get tenure or get a deanship or get a prestigious grant. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I think that appears to be the attitude of the left today, that uh, anyone who thinks outside the orthodoxy does not get the consideration of various uh, of various jobs, and we see this today with uh, faculty job searches. Yeah, where anybody who is applying to a faculty position must fill out some kind of diversity survey, where you say what you are doing to advance your commitment to diversity. Mm-hmm. And someone who doesn't believe that there should be such a statement or uh, such a requirement. That person is not going to get the job, and it's a kind of a way of weeding out anyone who thinks different. Let me add to that, that if such a person, and there is an example of this, and I'm trying to remember who it was or where. The UCLA professor. Where the, yes, yes. It was a nicely set, nice memory where his idea of filling out the diversity question, I was saying his commitment to intellectual diversity, and that got him in the soup, right? 
Right, and that was not seen as... Because uh, that's as, not as diversity, right, 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 right but, as but they define the, it. The truth is, we do need intellectual yeah. diversity on yeah. campuses, yeah. because, it, again, it's just, I keep using this word, but it's the stifling environment that does not allow conservative thought to proliferate. And if you're only going to have one prevailing orthodoxy, then, then you do need yeah. diversity. You need different perspectives. I mean, I, I think faculty should have a requirement that there should be a Republican on every political science department, or at least a conservative. The funny thing about this is that faculty are ren- are renowned to be um, jealous of each other, bitterly infighting and jealous. And I could see them using against, you know, fellow conservatives getting, excuse me, fellow faculty getting grants, you know, any kind of thing. Oh, well, he was the sponsor of the Federalist Society. I think the committee should know that. You know, I could see that. <laughs> I could see that. You know, and that, that's why I said there's yep. a sense of fear, yep. right? There yep. may not be any less. Although I also students, think it's a diminishing number. Their own careers. I think it's also a diminishing number who would be willing I think the faculty, the liberalism of a faculty has changed into a leftism. Let me, there's a really big question. I'm going to put you on tenterhooks over that I've really wanted to ask you. I'm going to do it on the other side of this break having to do with teaching conservatism. Okay, you good for one more? A really big question? Can't wait. Can't wait. Tevi Troy is my guest. He is the author most recently of Fight House Rivalries in the White House from Truman to Trump and the author of a great piece. The Washington Examiner, Conservatives We Lost in 2020. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I was listening to Dennis talking about a product that uh, – that uh, has the potential to work against pain. I have a product that I guarantee you works for everything it says it will do. Boosts your energy, improves your health, gives you better vitality, boosts your immunity. That's balance of nature. How could it not work? It has to work. It does work. It's worked for me. It works for everyone I know because all it is is fruits and vegetables, but potent fruits and vegetables compressed into vegetarian capsules that give you tens of thousands of vital nutrients. It's the most effective whole food supplement on the market. I take it every day. I credit my health this year to it. Had a lot of run-ins where I could have gotten sick. I I credit Balance of Nature. And they have a great deal offering free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and vegetables. Give Balance of Nature a call today at 800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Delighted to have with us Tevi Troy. He is the author of Fight House, Rivalries in the White House from uh, from Truman to Trump. Uh, Tevi, so I, got a, I received a call from a listener last week who said I should do a series, perhaps an hour dedicated to teaching conservatism, what conservatism is. And... I've had fits and starts, and you you were part of it a little bit uh, when we were going through conservative scholars at one point a few years back. And that's that's kind of the question as to how to approach it. And maybe it's and both rather than either or. Should I should I go through scholars if we do this and what they stood for and what they taught? Or should I go through policies, foreign policy, um, you know, uh, val- uh, social values, economic policy? How would you go about? I was thinking a third way. Yeah. So you you have people, yeah. and then they suggested policies, and I was thinking period. Ooh, 
So we can look at the 1950s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, run that for me. Do that for me. Do that. That's so you, you look at the 1950s, and you can, of course, include the liberal attitude towards conservatism at the time, which was uh, Lionel Trilling's famous statement that there are a series of conservatism is a series of irritable mental gestures which seek to resemble ideas right. to the left. Uh, Didn't uh, he say something quite, else? Didn't he also say something like there is no intellectual conservatism in America? Didn't he say something like that? I, I believe so, but yeah. but so that, that was kind of the prevailing view of conservatism at the time, and yet at the time there are all these ideas emerging uh, from people like William F. Buckley about the problems of the campus. We're still talking about yeah. them today. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's worse today than it was then. But um, uh, so, you, so you can talk about that, and you can talk about some of the uh, the anti-communist policies of the 1950s, and so you bring it together by period and say, what well, here's what was going Buckley, on. Buckley, Whitaker, Chambers. Um... The rise of National Review. Yep, and then a couple of Whit- I think Richard Weaver was probably part of that era. Uh, sure, James Kendall, James Burnham. I was going to put Kendall in the '60s, but sure, he was Buckley's teacher. Okay. He's probably spans both decades. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So then so, you would so go. That's one yeah, and then and then there's this book that I have not yet read, but I really want to, and it was actually on that same Wall Street Journal top political books the list that I was privileged to be on, uh, called um, The Radio Right by a guy named Matsko. How do I not? How do I not? How have I not read that? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a new book, so uh, it's fair that neither of us have read it yet, uh, but I'm sure I'm going to read it. Um, and he argues that as much as the William F. Buckley and National Review was important in developing conservatives, so were the talk radio conservative Host of the earlier era, mm-hmm. and he talks about how they helped develop conservatism. So I think I think it's a very fruitful avenue to pursue, and you know maybe a decade's too long. Maybe you could do five year periods or the Eisenhower years, you yeah. know, by president, right? People, policies, periods, and presidents. The four Ps, yeah. Right, the four Ps, and yeah. Well, that radio conservatism is kind of interesting too, and I know everyone's thinking of the big guy, but before the big guy, he he didn't wear it on his sleeve. But Paul Harvey was a conservative. There's just no question about it. He 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 was an anti-communist, and uh, and he and he and he spoke to conservative values. Um, you know, uh, his. I don't know if you've ever heard. You know what's eerie? If you have time and it's a little fun, Tevi, it's probably about seven minutes of your life on YouTube listening to Paul Harvey do a thing he did in the '60s called when if the devil if i were the devil or is is what it's called it's if i were the devil and what it would look like if the devil came to america talk about eerily predictive of what we would do and what we would see policy wise okay. uh, that I, I i would highly recommend that um so then the 60s yes and then that that's obviously the rise of schlafly and goldwater and reagan right and, and California as a central point of conservatism. Yes. There was a great, great James Q. Wilson article about California conservatism and, ca- and commentary in the late 60s that's worth looking at. And also Richard Nixon, obviously, is a California person. Bruce uh, Hershenson was a California person. Yeah, there, there's so much to look at in, yeah. in, the, in the 1960s uh, and, and the backlash. And that gets you to the gone. campuses, too. You know, Reagan was, you know, dismissed by many as nothing more than a pitch man and a, and a B actor. Uh, and and one of the people he blew away um, who, for underestimating him was Pat Brown. By a million votes, he blew Pat Brown away to become governor. And no one was really certain, you know, what this what this renegade would do. And and the first thing he did was take on the college campuses and firing Clark Kerr. 
I got to tell one of my favorite Reagan yeah, stories. Sure. That, uh, Reagan is in his car, and he's they're surrounded by these uh, campus activists who are screaming things. And one of them is holding a sign up saying, "We are the future." Mm-hmm. And Reagan tells the driver to stop, and he takes a piece of paper and he scribbles something on it. And he holds up the sign to the guy, to the the kid who's holding the "We Are the Future" sign, and the sign the sign that Reagan has says, "I'm selling my bond." Yeah, perfect, <laughs> perfect. There's some great YouTube video too of Reagan in those college fights in 1967 where he's really fighting with the media and he lectures them. Um, I mean, he goes after them for being the cause of getting the student protesters, rioters, hopes up. It's really, he was very strong on this stuff. And I think everyone had to pay attention to him. I also like to point it out as a lesson for current Republican governors to take on. Tevi, you gave me a great idea, as you always do. Well, I'd be happy to uh, join. As yeah, a yeah, yeah. I was thinking of recruiting you as part of the faculty like for this. Sounds like a great idea. Tevi Troy, author of Fight House, Rivalries in the White House, From Truman to Trump, one of the great books of 2020, according to the Wall Street Journal, and me. Tevi, bless you and your family. We'll talk to you soon. Great. Thank you so much. Talk soon. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. If you didn't get a chance to get on, um, I see a few on hold that didn't. Call back tomorrow. We'll get to you then. Let me close. Uh, We were talking about Roger Scruton, someone we lost this year. I'll I'll close with a quote of his um, that is probably just perfect for this time of year. By living in a spirit of forgiveness, we not only uphold the core value of citizenship— but also find the path to social membership that we need. Happiness does not come from the pursuit of pleasure, nor is it guaranteed by freedom. It comes from sacrifice. That is the message of the Christian religion, and it is the message that is conveyed by all the memorable works of our culture. It is the message that has been lost in the noise of repudiation, but which it seems to me can be heard once again if we devote our energies to retrieving it. And in the religious tradition, in the primary act of sacrifice, we do find forgiveness. The one who forgives sacrifices vengeance and renounces thereby a part of himself for the sake of another. Pretty good, Roger Scruton. You want a little more? You want a little more? This is great. I've never heard this before. This is, I wonder if Dennis Prager has seen this quote, because he gets this question more than any other radio host. G.K. Chesterton once said that to criticize religion because it leads people to killing each other is like criticizing love because it has the same effect. All the best things we have when abused can cause bad things to happen. That's worth pondering, isn't it? All the best things we have can cause bad things to happen. God bless you all. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth Leibson, and class is dismissed.